Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to The Academic Life, a podcast series here on New Books Network. I'm Dr. Christina Gessler, the host of the channel. Today, we're talking to Dr. Bradley Shreve, who's the editor of Tribal College Journal of American Indian Higher Education. Welcome to the show, Brad. Hi, thanks. It's uh, good to good to be here. I'm really glad that you're here. To start us off, I wonder if you would please tell us about yourself. Well, um, I am the, as you mentioned, the editor of um, Tribal College Journal of American Indian Higher Education, which is the quarterly publication of the um, American Indian Higher Education Consortium, uh, also known as AHEC. AHEC represents the nation's 37 tribal colleges and universities, which are found throughout Indian country in the United States. So um, what AHEC does is it advocates for tribal colleges, um, working to get them the funding that they need uh, to operate. And um, also AHEC is about um, asserting tribes' sovereignty, educational sovereignty, and um, really um, working to, for, to push the federal government to uphold its treaty rights and treaty obligations to uh, Native nations. So the organization has been around since 1973. And it has really been a, uh, a forceful advocate for um, tribally controlled colleges, which, by the way, are public um, institutions. So I've been working with AHEC for about seven or eight years. Uh, before that, I taught um, history at Diné College, which is the tribal college of the Navajo Nation and the first tribal college in the United States. It was established in 1968. So um, I hold a PhD in American Indian history from the University of New Mexico. And um, when I first uh, started working at Diné College, that was my um, that was my sort of first uh, academic position and first job with the tribal college movement. And what led you to that course of study? What made you interested in pursuing that? Well, um, initially, um, when I first began studying at University of New Mexico, um, I had always been interested in um, civil rights issues. Um, I had done my undergraduate at Kent State University, which, as you know, is where four students were um, were killed um, protesting the bombing of Cambodia in 1970. So there's a strong tradition there of, of student activism. And that led me into an interest in the civil rights movement and eventually into um, American Indian um, civil rights and uh, sovereignty rights issues. So at UNM, I did my uh, study on the National Indian Youth Council which is um, in many ways um, the native kind of correlate to the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, which was the African-American um, civil rights movement that uh, the late John Lewis uh, was president of back in the 
early 1960s. So the National Indian Youth Council um, led Native student efforts to secure the sovereignty and uh, self-determination of Native nations and to uphold uh, treaty rights for Native nations. So so American Indians, of course, have a different um, menu of issues that they have advocated for, which in many ways, um, well, in some ways, they're similar to what African-American civil rights organizations were advocating, but in other ways, they're, they're very different. So um, while um, the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, for example, at least in its first um, five years, was seeking um, voting rights and integration, um, the National Indian Youth Council was um, advocating for, um, for treaty rights and for the self-determination of Native nations. They weren't really very interested in integration. It was, it was more about preserving Native cultural identity and, and some of these major issues that have always kind of um, been major hurdles for, for uh, Indian tribes. When did you develop your interest in writing and in editing? I'm sorry, could you repeat that? Yes, what led to your interest in writing and editing? Oh, um, well, um, you know, I guess as a graduate student, you naturally do a lot of that. And um, so from the beginning, I guess, when I was in graduate school, I was very much pursuing this idea of, of you know, research and writing. That was really my main interest, more so than teaching. So, um, you know, I was focused on getting articles published in peer-reviewed journals and other publications. Um, And, uh, you know, I started doing that when I was working on my master's degree and um, really did that throughout my um, my studies at, um, at the University of New Mexico and thereafter, so. And so how did you come to be the editor of um, this publication of the Tribal College Journal? Um, well, as I mentioned, I was teaching history at Diné College. Um, I had just published my book on the National Indian Youth Council with the University of Oklahoma Press. And um, one of the things, you know, that was going on at the time is I have a, I, have, I had a son, well, I still have my son, but he's older now, but he was a young, you know, he was like three or four years old. And, um, and so I wanted to spend more time with him. And this job offered me the opportunity to work from home um, rather than working um, at the college. And so I, um, um, you know, applied for this job. It was, you know, with, still within the tribal college movement. Um, I was able to maintain connections with many of my colleagues at Diné College. Um, and so it was just a great opportunity. And, you know, it's, it's, you know, really satisfying to work and meaningful for me to work for a national um, organization like AHEC, which has been such a great champion of American Indian education. 
And the structure of the journal is most of the pieces are written by guest writers. Most of the pieces are written by faculty uh, at tribal colleges. We do have a student publication as well. So um, students at tribal colleges, um, we publish their creative writing um, as well as art pieces and films that they make. It's called TCJ Student. Um, so, um, it's, but yeah, it's uh, pretty much all of the content is, is produced by folks who are um, teaching at tribal colleges, perhaps administrators at tribal colleges or students at tribal colleges. The quality of the student writing is so powerful and beautiful. There was uh, one piece in particular written by uh, a student named Brianna G. Reed, and she was the student writing contest winner of 2020. Mm -hmm. She wrote so beautifully and movingly about uh, experiencing domestic violence. Yeah. Yes. Um, there's, there's some incredible student um, creative writing that we get every year. Um, we just received, um, you know, this, uh, the entries for the 2021 contest. Um, and I should add that each year we have a, um, a guest editor who's a well-known, uh, respected, uh, celebrated um, Native writer or poet. And so this year, um, Tiffany Midge, was our guest editor for TCJ Student. The year before that, it was Tommy Orange. Um, we've had Daniel Wilson, um, Kim Blazer, um, Lucy Tabahanzo. Um, so we've had many different, um, you know, uh, guest editors. Um, and so they select the, the, the winners for the contest. And um, then these this year's entries will be published in uh, the fall, along with our fall issue in TCJ Student. So um, check it out. It's on our website, tcjstudent.org. And you mentioned that the, um, the journal comes out uh, quarterly? It is. It's a quarterly journal. TCJ Student is an annual publication. Um, but, uh, but, but Tribal College Journal is a quarterly publication. And then I should add, we also have a new initiative, Tribal College Press. So um, we have started moving into publishing um, books. And we just published um, um, our most recent title. It's called Meditation on Ceremonies of Beginnings, um, the Tribal College Poems. And so um, it was written by Tom Davis, who's a longtime Tribal College educator an administrator, and um, and he's also published several books of poetry. So he wrote these over the course of about twenty to thirty years, and uh, you know they were written on scraps of paper and napkins and things, and we were able to compile them all, or at least the vast majority of them. And um, so we just published that in Meditation and Ceremonies of Beginnings is the name of the book. And you can um, find that at tribalcollegepress.org. One of the things I really enjoyed about uh, the, the journal that you sent me 
was that you do these features on different professors. Um, it was really wonderful to, to get to read so in depth about different professors. And one of the um, people profiled in the current issue, the spring 2021 issue, was uh, Dr. Daniel Wildcat, who mm -hmm. is this amazing champion for climate change education. Can you talk a little bit about these profiles that you do and, and, um, and that one in particular? Oh, yeah. So each issue, well, not every single issue, but we do have this department called Profile. And so sometimes we, we do publish a profile um, in every issue in a specific volume. But sometimes, you know, we'll, there'll be an issue that doesn't have a profile just for, you know, space limitations. Um, but yeah, so we'll focus on, you know, an educator, a leader, someone associated with the tribal college movement. Uh, Dr. Daniel Wildcat has uh, been a longtime professor at Haskell Indian Nations University in Lawrence, Kansas. And he's also a, um, a well-known native author. Um, he um, wrote uh, Power in Place with uh, the late Vine Deloria Jr., um, so he's, um, he also has a book called Red Alert, and he's very well known in the tribal college movement as being one of the foremost advocates um, for um, advancing climate change education um, at tribal colleges. Another feature that you have uh, in the journal regularly is you have um, book and movie reviews. Mm -hmm. and. I was thinking what an amazing resource they are. Um, professors outside tribal colleges are trying to diversify their syllabi, their reading lists, and want suggestions for books that are culturally correct um, so that we don't assign a book that further perpetuates the problem. But And so it was striking to me what an amazing resource this will be for professors who are looking specifically for materials that, that fit that exactly. Yeah, yeah. So um, that has always been one of my major pet projects when I began serving as editor of, of Tribal College Journal was was having a, a really robust media review section of the journal uh, with reviews written by folks from tribal colleges, for the most part, who are experts in those specific fields. Um yeah, so um, take a look at our media reviews. We have, you know, we usually do anywhere from four to six uh, reviews for each issue. Um, and of course, you know, there's certain um, publishers in the U.S. That, that that focus on American Indian studies, such as University of Nebraska Press, University of Oklahoma Press, uh, University of New Mexico Press. So um, a lot of the titles um, are published by those presses. But um, yeah, take a look and uh, hopefully you can find some, some good ideas for, your, uh, for the courses that you teach. I also noticed that you do your own podcast and you recently interviewed Verna Fowler, who's the founding president of the College of Menominee Nation. Did I pronounce that correctly? That's right. Yeah. Um, and I listened to that podcast and it was it was so fascinating to hear her her long and deep connection with the college, with the land and her deep uh, commitment to environmental concerns. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, um, yeah, we started the current reflections. Initially, it just started off as a as an interview that we published as a transcript on our web page. And then it evolved into into podcasts, which I think is a much better format. Um, because one of the things, um, you know, there are these great leaders in the tribal college movement, folks like Dr. Verna Fowler, um, Dr. Joe McDonald, who served as the first president at Salish Kootenai College in Montana. Um, you have Jim Shanley, who served as the president at Fort Peck Community College, as well as Standing Rock Community College before it was known as Sitting Bull College. Um, you know, Lionel Bordeaux, who's the president of Sinte Glesca University. So one of the things, you know, our missions in doing Current Reflections, this podcast, is to capture that knowledge that these elders of the tribal college movement have so that we can preserve it um, for future generations. And, um, you know, it's also preserving their voice. So um, I think it's, um, you know, I, I hope in 100 years from now, you know, that tribal college students will, um, will listen to these podcasts of, of these elders and, um, and be able to, to extract their wisdom and knowledge for, for these future generations. I was struck by that at the end of the podcast, you asked her what she would want to say as a message to listeners in, in 100 or 150 or 200 years. And I was struck then by the the commitment you had to preserving the oral tradition, that you were looking that far ahead and wanting her to speak not only to now and to her past and to her connection to her ancestors, but to speak forward uh, so that her voice would go hundreds of years into the future. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's kind of our goal. And, um, you know, I, I, I've, and maybe it's because of my training as a historian but I've always taken this kind of broad view of things, um, a long-term view rather than, than looking at things just in the short term. And that kind of leads to um, your concern right now. The current issue is about uh, climate concerns, about environmental concerns. And the piece that you wrote really was taking a, a very broad and long view at it. Would you tell listeners a bit about the piece that you wrote in the current issue. Um, yeah, so the current issue is on um, sustainability and climate change, and we offer we publish several different articles from different um, TCU faculty, and and as you mentioned, the, there was the piece from uh, Dr. Daniel Wildcat, the profile on him. There is an article on Ani uh, Nakota College and all of their various, um, you know, uh, programs and initiatives that engage with sustainability and climate change. Um, Sitting Bull College is also a leader um, in environmental science. But um, yeah, I think this is just such a critical. Um, issue. And it's even more so, um, as Dr. Daniel Wildcat pointed out, 
uh, for indigenous communities because they are really being affected um, perhaps more than anyone um, um, by climate change. So they're really on the front lines and, you know, not just native people in the U.S., but indigenous people all over the world. And you wrote that in your article, you said indigenous peoples hold knowledge that our ailing world can and must learn from. Here in North America, indigenous institutions of higher learning, tribal colleges and universities are utilizing this wisdom. Is that a lot of the heart of the mission of the uh, tribal colleges and universities to do just that? Yeah, I mean, indigenous um, peoples have a you know, a close connection to the earth and a great reverence for the earth. So there's, um, there is this environmental consciousness that is really embedded in pretty much every tribal college in their curricula. So, um, so I think this issue really resonates, um, uh, at tribal colleges and with indigenous peoples and uh, we, you know, we, we've tackled this issue in um, previous issues uh, of the journal. And so um, it's something, though, that we need to come back to regularly. It's not just something that's a one and done kind of theme for us. It's something that is constantly there and, um, you know, constantly needs to be addressed. And frankly, people need to be reminded that this is, you know, arguably the biggest issue facing all of us. You mentioned earlier on that the federal government needs to uphold its treaties and its promises to the tribal colleges. When I was researching earlier, some I realized some of the tribal colleges are as small as 200 students some are, are larger, closer to 2,000 students, but overall they're, they're quite small schools. Yeah. And small schools in general face greater funding hurdles, but tribal colleges collectively face tremendous ones. Um, what are the, the biggest concerns for tribal colleges about resources and funding? Well, um, tribal colleges are funded primarily through the... Um, Tribal College University um, Act, which was initially passed in 1978. Now, it was updated in the 90s, and actually AEG is advocating for another update now because things have changed over time. But tribal colleges have never been fully funded, so they're, they're funded at a fraction. They, the, the federal funding that they do receive is um, a fraction of what other institutions receive. And, and that is accounting for, you know, the, the student count as well. So, so even though tribal colleges, some of the tribal colleges have, don't have that many students, a couple hundred, um, they, they, they do tend to struggle much more so than other institutions of higher education when it comes, it comes to funding. Um, the Tribal College University Assistance Act is essential to their basic operating needs. But, um, you know, each year, AHEC advocates for new um, streams of funding for the tribal colleges because the need is just so great. And in fact, 
that is what AHEC is in the midst of doing right now with its legislative summit, meeting with um, with um, representatives and senators and um, discussing their their funding needs. When you interviewed uh, Dr. Fowler, she was talking about how one of the things she realized early on was that technology was incredibly important and making sure that students had access to it was going to be essential to the, um, the success and survival of, of that college and to helping students succeed. Um, how are things like internet access and um, access to technology affecting uh, tribal colleges right now when so many people have had to move to remote? Yeah, it's been a major struggle. So when the pandemic first hit in about a year ago, um, you know, tribal colleges had to transition, as all institutions of higher learning uh, had to do, to online um, platforms. And for tribal colleges, it was especially challenging because many of them did not offer online classes at all at that time. So it's been really a crash course uh, for a lot of tribal college faculty. And and keep in mind that some of those faculty at TCUs um, are elders. They're, you know, all tribal colleges have very strong cultural um, curriculum. And so some of the professors there are elders. They are fluent in their tribe's language. Um, but they don't really have the expertise in teaching online, in in online platforms. So it was very, very challenging uh, and has been, continues to be. So there's that. But then the other part of it, too, is that Internet connectivity in many reservations is very sparse. So... um, you know, Native nations, uh, a lot of the reservations here in the U.S. are in very rural areas where they just don't have Internet connectivity. And the Internet connectivity that they do have is pretty spotty and kind of expensive because of the lack of competition there. So that has really, you know, made things even uh, even more challenging for for tribal colleges and indigenous communities in general in the United States. You mentioned that your job has always been work from home. Um, well, how, I, go ahead. Uh, I, well, I, I, work, I work from home as editor of Tribal College Journal. We do have an office um, that's located in Durango, Colorado, um, where my colleague Marvin Tom uh, works. So I go up there um, periodically. I haven't gone recently because of the pandemic, but, um, and then, you know, I make regular trips to um, AHEX, uh, to Washington, D.C. We have our legislative summit this time of the year, our winter meeting, and then we have meetings at other locations around Indian country throughout the year. So, um, but yeah, everyday work that I do, most of it's done done here at home. Before that, when I was teaching at Diné College, I was working at the the college, which is located in Salee, Arizona, in up in the Four Corners on the Navajo Reservation. So, 
Prior to the pandemic, in a typical year, how many of the tribal colleges would you typically get to visit? Um, well, you know, here in New Mexico, we have four tribal colleges. So there's the Institute of American Indian Arts up in Santa Fe. You have Diné College, which the main campus is in Salie, Arizona, but they also have um, um, their secondary campus is in Shiprock, New Mexico. You have um, Navajo Technical University, whose main campus is in Crown Point, New Mexico. And then there's Southwestern Indian Polytechnic Institute, which is located here in Albuquerque. Um, I go out and visit those TCUs on a regular basis. Um, with uh, you know funding permitting, I will make trips to other tribal colleges. I've visited all the tribal colleges in Minnesota, for example. Um, I've visited tribal colleges in South Dakota, um, in Montana. Um, so I try to get out and visit all the tribal colleges, but again, there's 37 and they're really spread out all over the place. So, uh, it's hard to, hard to make regular visits to all of them. And when you visit and you make connections, what would it, what would a typical visit be like? And what would your hope be, uh, as far as the types of information that you gather and the connections that you leave with? Well, you know, I, I'm interested in the, their programming and we want to um, tell the world about the kinds of programs, the unique programs that they have about their faculty, for example. Um, so I try to meet as many people as I can um, to build those, those connections. Um, another great place where I do get to meet people from all over is that every year, AHEC hosts the student conference um, at a different location. Uh, I think the last one when we met in person was in Billings, Montana. Uh, before that, um, I believe it was in Rapid City, or no, Bismarck, North Dakota. And then it was in, before that, it was Rapid City, South Dakota. So it kind of moves around every year to a different place. Um, but, it, but tribal college, all of the 37 tribal colleges send students, faculty, staff to this conference. And it's just a great place to meet people and to build those connections and maintain those connections. So, um, you know, I take part in that uh, every year and looking forward to this year. We're unable to meet in person, but uh, hopefully we'll meet again next year. When you have a chance to meet the students, what do they tell you are the strengths of the colleges and what do they tell you are the struggles that are still going on? Well, um, you know, the strengths is that students who go to tribal colleges can remain in their home communities and attend classes there at home. I mean, many in many indigenous cultures, you know, living and, you know, being with extended family is, you know, critical. I mean, it's absolutely essential to support your family and to be there for them. And so um, to leave one's home community and to travel, you know, go to some university that's 500 miles away, 
um, in some cases. It's, you know, it's really daunting. And um, a lot of Native students who do make that transition um, sometimes struggle. And it's, it's hard to, to, to stay in college because, you know, they want to go back and be with their families and their communities. And so tribal colleges are really um, a godsend in that regard because it enables students to remain in their local communities um, and to learn in an, in an environment that is familiar. Um, where there are people who, you know, at least half the faculty um, are from their respective um, uh, tribes. So, and share this, you know, they have a shared culture. Um, So that's really important for student success. And that's one of the reasons why tribal college students do succeed. And they succeed at tribal colleges at a greater rate than they do at mainstream institutions. Um, some of the challenges, you know, like I mentioned earlier, are funding challenges. So tribal colleges just don't have perhaps the resources that they need to really, um, you know, support top-notch uh, programming and curricula. Um, and, you know, of course, online platforms and technology, that's been a major issue that's come to the fore with this whole, uh, this pandemic. But, um, but that, that's definitely probably the greatest challenge and, and continues to be. What do you hope listeners will take away from this today? Um, well, I hope people become a little bit more aware of tribal colleges and universities, aware of the um, needs and challenges that um, Native communities still face today. Um, some people just are completely oblivious. I mean, if you live in the West, you know, if you live, uh, especially in the Mountain West, you are familiar. I mean, there are um, Native nations all around. But, you know, for folks, I know people in the East, um, family and friends who, you know, really don't have a clue about um, about Native peoples and about the challenges and what goes on in Indian country. So um, I guess that's what I hope that people take away is to sort of raise awareness. And what gives you hope? What gives me hope? Um, you know, when I go to a tribal college, when I used to teach at Diné College, um, the students that I would get in my classes, the students who I interact with at conferences today, um, they give me hope. I mean, they're uh, incredibly inspiring, some of them. And um, just the resiliency uh, and perseverance among Native students is really incredible. I mean, some of the challenges that they face, and yet they persevere and they succeed. And there is this incredible drive to give back to their communities. And so a lot of Native students, when you ask them what they're doing and why they're doing it, they tell you they're doing it for their community. Can I ask you the question that you ask your guests? 
of what do you hope listeners who find this episode in 100 or 150 years, what, what's your message to them? Well, you know, I hope that they hear this and they're like, wow, I can't believe things were like that back then. I mean, we've come so far. Things have advanced so far and progressed so far. I hope that's what they what they say when they hear this. Thank you so much for being here today, Dr. Bradley Shreve, and telling us about your work as editor of Tribal College Journal of American Indian Higher Education. I'm Dr. Christina Gessler. You've been listening to The Academic Life on New Books Network. Please join us again.